so today, so today on American Conversations, we're going to do something different. I'm going to interview my colleague, editor in chief, and publisher of uh, CDM.press, Todd Wood, and we're going to talk about Ukraine. But we're mm -hmm. going to start with the fact that Russia is a passion of Todd. So, Todd, how did you get interested in Russia? Because your interest and passion for Russia is as strong as mine for Africa. So tell us how you got interested in it. Well, I was at the Air Force Academy, uh, 19 years of age, and they first year they made us uh, learn a what they called at that point in time when they actually when the academies actually trained warriors instead of social justice warriors. But they, they made us uh, select a strategic language to learn. So I chose Russian for some reason and uh, became very interested in the culture. Yeah. What's that? Something easy, I said. So, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. You know, I actually had a, a, a an, an officer who had uh, been in Russia train us. So he had a lot of insight into the the culture and the uh, you know the Soviet culture at the time. So that was fascinating to me. So we would spend you know an hour in class learning the language, but you know ten minutes of it he'd talk about cultural issues and how the Russians saw this or that or the Soviets. So that was fascinating to me. Uh, when I left the academy, I went to flight school and then uh, obviously studied Russian weapon systems and threats and, you know, all of that uh, military equipment for almost a decade. And then I went to uh, Wall Street to trade bonds and ended up trading emerging market bonds, which was a lot of Eastern European debt, you know, Ukraine, Russia, et cetera. So I've really been associated with it for some time, but when I left uh, in 2012 to just kind of do my own thing, I started traveling all over Eastern Europe and uh, realized there was a lack of knowledge in the U.S. about what's happening in that part of the world. So that's when we started Zarism, which is our first site, and it, everything's grown from there. But you, you, but you've also studied the history of Russia, and and I mean, oh yeah, it's a fascinating, rich history. Oh yeah, it's much larger. Yeah. Catherine the Great. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. In terms and of the arts and the culture. Well, the culture is fascinating. You know, Russian people are um, the, the warmest people I've ever met, but they're also highly educated and they happen to be a lot of them very corrupt. So it's a very interesting, uh, you know, combination, but they love the theater. They love the arts. They love literature. They love history. Uh, and so, yeah, the Russian culture is deep and fascinating. And most people don't know that uh, the Rus people started in, in the region of Ukraine uh, near Kiev. Yes, so, give us a history for that, because that's, you know, when, when I think about that uh, 80 million Americans were born after mm -hmm. 1990 here in the United States, mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't really know anything about the, what, we call, what our generations would call the Soviet Union and yeah. what our grandparents' generation would call the, the, the czars, you know, right. in, at the time. So, I mean, go and, and give, mm -hmm. give us the history of that, because I think it's very important for people to understand the importance of how Moscow looks mm -hmm. at Ukraine. Right. It, it is it is the birthing place. Exactly. So the, the Rus people are uh, developed into what is what was called the Kievan Rus, which was around the Kiev region, which is, um, you know, really the breadbasket of that part of the world, a very fertile farmland. And that's why, obviously why they settled there on the rivers. And 
eventually, you know, Vladimir the Great, which about a thousand years ago, decided he wanted to uh, Christianize or, or find a religion for his people. So he sent out his emissaries all over the world. They went to China, they went to the Islamic countries, and they came back. And they said, you know, all these other religions have their good and bad points, but we were in the cathedrals in uh, Constantinople, and there's nothing closer to being on heaven in heaven than in their, that beauty. So that's Vladimir decided to become Christian, uh, married a Christian princess from Constantinople, and, and Christianized at that time Kievan Rus, which was Kiev or Ukraine. And then the Mongols invaded, and, and the princes went up to Moscow to try to escape that uh, golden horde, if you will. So it's, yeah, the, the history is fascinating. You have all this intermixing of cultures from the Nordic region, from Germany, from Poland, from the Russian steppe, uh, from the Middle East. And uh, the cultural mix is, is really, really interesting. So that's the history. And when people talk about, you know, Ukraine and Russia, they should realize that it's, it's like a brotherhood, you know I mean? They, they see each other. They're different in many ways, but the language is slightly different, but in the, in the religion, they have the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox church versus the Russian Orthodox church. And so there's a split there, but uh, you know, they, they, they go way back. So when people talk about, um, you know, defending Ukraine from Russia, they, they, I, I'll tell people, well, think about if Russia wanted to arm Texas, that that's how they see it. It's, it's really their near abroad, their backyard and their sphere of influence. Like we had during the Monroe doctrine in the Caribbean. And it was, and it was part of Russia. It, I mean, yeah. What is the difference between the Ukrainian uh, Orthodox and, and the Russian Orthodox Church? It, it, I think it's really a power issue. It's a control issue. I don't think there's much liturgically or, you know, theologically different, but it's really an issue. You know, they have their metropolitans. They have a different metropolitan. And actually, the uh, they after the invasion of, uh, or not invasion, the annexation of Crimea, they... Uh, they split the church off. So it's now, uh, what do you call it? Autosalephasis or something like that. So it's a, it's a separate church. So, uh, and it also has is a very dark history too, mm -hmm. in, ter mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, people who were slaughtered in Ukraine. Um, by oh, yeah. yeah so well, the czars, you know, czar means it was the Russian kings and it comes from Caesar, an absolute ruler, Caesar. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, you know, they call it the Tsars. I mean, that that's where... Um, you know, the Russian, and a lot of people don't realize that the Russian empire stretched all the way from Poland down to San Francisco. You can, at one point in the early 19th century, you can go to San Francisco now and there's a Fort Rus, which the, Moscow actually still takes care of and, and pays for, that is still there, which was part of the Tsarist empire. So all the way down the Western coast until the Crimean War, you know, fascinating how history repeats itself and the, and the czars needed money. So they sold Alaska and the Eastern or Western coast of the U S uh, uh, sold it for money and lost control. When, when was that? I didn't know that. 18, early 1800s, mid early to mid 1800s. And how did they, how did, how did the U S get it back? Well, no, the U S didn't sell it. The czars, the Russian czars sold it. Yeah. Czars sold it. Okay. All right. So, um, what do you think as a scholar of Russia that mm. most Americans today don't understand about the culture? Uh, that the Russian people and the Russian government are very different. The, the Kremlin has always been absolute power, you know, and, the, and they really know nothing different. That's why in the nineties, when they had 
so-called democracy. It was really just uh, anarchy and, and organized crime. And, and they have a very dark memory of that, and more dark of a memory than the Soviet times, because at least the Soviet times, the trains ran on time and everything. You know, you didn't have to worry about walking out of your house and, you know, getting mugged or whatever. So that that is uh, so they, they're very different from. So the people are very different from the government. I mean, and they just. Uh, you know, they, they accept that there's an absolute power. And that's what, how we're different from them is we don't accept that. We haven't been, you know, that hasn't been pressed into our genes like the, they did the Russian serfs. You know, the, it's really the czarist history is much more prevalent than the, the communist history. I mean, they're not communist anymore. In fact, they're more capitalist than we are in many ways. They have a flat tax of like 15%. They have very little welfare. So, uh, you know, they have very little debt. I mean, we've been overtaken by this Marxist influence and they just look at it and laugh because they know what the end game is. Well, they also know it's not sustainable economically. Right, right. That, that is. So uh, as a result of that, that's when you started um, the, the czarism. Uh, yeah, in 2015, I started that site. I was writing a, a column for the Washington Times called Behind the Curtain, and which dealt with what I, I was traveling all around that region. I was doing some reporting for Newsmax, you know, video-wise. In Ukraine, Moldova, you know, all over Eastern Europe, uh, I ended up going out to Donbass during the the war. Uh, so, you know, and that's a whole all the frozen conflicts of the Soviet Union when that fell. We just had a big blow up in Nagorno-Karabakh in Armenia and Azerbaijan. You have the Georgian-Russo conflict in 2008. You have uh, Transnistria in Moldova. So you have all these like pockets of where when the Soviet Union fell that hegemony of power collapsed and all these different peoples that had been suppressed for decades kind of wanted their own independence back and it's still smoldering in many parts of the world well it does it doesn't work for for many of the countries i mean i can remember back in 2000 when i was all um i went back to the balkans but i also mm -hmm. went up to romania moldova and eastern europe mm -hmm. countries and they were still struggling uh with their own internal corruption on a smaller scale sure. in countries than it was in russia but at the same time you know, you had the gender bias. So if you had an 18 year old young woman who wanted to get a job, you couldn't get one in Moldova or Romania. That's why a lot of them right. were, you know, uh, marginalized. And then, you know, they were vulnerable to being humanly trafficked. Um, mm -hmm. So fast forward now, because in, in the recent years, when we've talked about Ukraine, it's in the context of the corruption that's there. Um, also, Hunter Biden uh, and yep. Company's involvement, but now we're talking about the Russian troops on the border of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ceasefires when called off. Uh, President Biden has called um, Putin. You know he's talking about getting a summit together with some of yep. the Western allies, and 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 basically trying to come up with some deal. You know to mm -hmm. take care of um, Putin's concerns about the NATO buildup at the borders of Russia. Where do you think this is all going? Because you've been covering it now far longer and in more detail probably than, than anybody else in the United States. I mean, you've been writing yeah. about it. You know it. You've lived over there mm -hmm. um, you, and you traveled the region. So mm -hmm. what do you make of everything that's going on now? Well, first of all, we have to realize that, you know, and let me take a quick step back. When the, when the communists, the Bolsheviks took over in 1917 and started that whole process, yeah. the Russia was feeding all of Europe. They were the breadbasket of true. Europe. To world true. war one and they didn't come back to the same level of agricultural production until 2018 so 100 years later because because 
the Bolsheviks destroyed the entire economy. Anybody that knew anything about agriculture, medicine, science, education, literature, they killed them because they didn't, you know, it's exactly, it's, it's cancel culture on steroids, which is coming here if we let it happen. So that being said, that history of corruption is in all the Soviet economies or, or you know, jurisdictions in Ukraine, of course, is that way. And, you know, interestingly enough, we interviewed uh, Sally Berisha in Albania, who mm -hmm. was the former prime minister recently. And he said to me something which really, you know, brought me up to speed or answered a question that I've always had is when Soros, you know, when the Soviet Union fell, Soros was all about, um, you know, open society and bringing democracy and, and bringing down these Eastern European dictators. But what Berisha said was that was all a scam. And what he was really doing was bringing these communists out of these countries and embedding them in bureaucracies in the West. And so that that is what has happened in Ukraine. Soros controls that whole country. And he has a huge machine that takes kids out of college, puts them in these NGOs, trains them, and then puts them in the government or the State Department or the American intelligence or Ukrainian intelligence. So it's the whole, it's state capture, the whole government there is captured in the in the corruption that is going on over there you know i sat with a, a guy who had records mountains of paperwork on a, a scheme through the central bank where poroshenko was with his previous president was laundering american aid through the central bank to the hundreds of millions of dollars and just through this elaborate scheme offshore and you know his the head of the central bank i forget her name uh, valeria she went to um, london and bought a 30 million pound flat when she left her job. How do you do that as a, you know, a civil servant in Ukraine? So there's massive corruption, it's organized crime, it's pervasive throughout all the security agencies and also on the American side, which we saw during the impeachment trial with all the embassy players, which are coming, you know, what, the color revolution that we are having now, they, they practiced in Ukraine in 2014. And then when Trump won the election, they turned that apparatus on to the American people. So they're using the same tactics they did in Ukraine to take down, you know, even though Yanukovych was corrupt and a dictator in many ways and, and was stealing, he was duly elected democratically. And the American government in the West took down that government through the Maidan revolution, installed their own people. And that process and what they learned there and practice there, they're, they're doing here. So all the Trump like investigations and everything and, and disinfo came out of Ukraine. You know, the Ukrainian government was trying to help. Hillary Clinton, that all came out. You know, the the, the anti-corruption bureaus that they set up were, were basically to protect, you know, the inside corruption and, and get rid all, all these cases have been dismissed in Ukraine uh, well, against have, the corrupt figures the, because they control the prosecutor's office. We also, have a, we also have a history here in the United States where depending upon what, what parties in power, if our, mm -hmm. sometimes our foreign government through through the USAID and other programs mm -hmm. in the State Department, or whether it's the agencies um, in collusion with the State Department, they mm -hmm. will say we want to take certain dictators out. We we saw that happening pre-Arab rising when we saw mm -hmm. Obama State Department under Hillary Clinton and and, and coupled with Leon Panetta and uh, blessed mm -hmm. by President Obama to train uh with with silicon valley train you know what what we would call what hillary called civil societies but they were really civil right. presidents they were supposed to be civil societies who would hold their uh government officials accountable 
but it was really with the U.S. Mm -hmm. backing of training these these civil dissidents to overthrow their governments. I mean, it took off, you know, like yeah. wildfire when the Tunisian um, right cart guy, you know, blew him. I mean, he didn't blow himself up. He he lit himself on fire, and then all of a mm -hmm. sudden it went across, you know. Um, Middle East and Northern Africa. Yeah, that was all. That was all planned, and then they had yes. learned. So, yeah, sure. And a lot of a lot of Americans don't understand it. Let's talk about um, the corruption, though. You know, the bedrock of the corruption, then the Soros connection in mm -hmm. Ukraine. Because mm -hmm. when do you think that that started? Was it after the fall of communism? It's been a long time. They have been. You know, I have patriots, Ukrainian patriots, who. I've been in contact with for a long time who fed me a lot of information on what has been going on over there. Um, and so it's been going on for a very, very long time. I think it's kind of come out in the open recently. Mm -hmm. um, what Biden did over there was, you know, he'd go over there and basically launder American aid for himself, send tens of million dollars of millions of dollars through, you know, Latvia, I think it was banks there that eventually landed in, you know, his accounts or Hunter's accounts. I mean, we reported all this in 2019 extensively. Uh, there were bags of money giving to Hillary Clinton. I met with a Ukrainian oligarch who uh, had to flee the country because he was writing about the corruption in 2016. And I had to meet him in a dark bar in Germany. And he told me all this stuff. And then he was arrested later and they tried to poison him in prison before he could come and testify for Trump in the impeachment trial. So, you know, this is really extensive. And they've done a really good job of, uh, of of blocking and censoring all this information. You know, the FBI, we had, I had people tell me that they the these guys tried to give the FBI all this information and they didn't want it and walked out of the room. I, I've had. Why do you, why do you think that, that uh, the Clinton machine and, and the Biden machine chose Ukraine? Why because it was the wild, wild west. I mean, it was really just ripe for the taking after the fall of the Soviet Union. I mean, it had a history of corruption. Uh, there was lots of money to be made from the gas and other natural resources, the coal out in Donbass. Um, you know, so it was a place to launder money. I'm convinced of that on a massive, massive, massive scale. So when we gave hundreds of millions of dollars to Ukraine, a lot of that went offshore and lined the pockets of Ukrainians and Americans. Do, I can't recall off the top of my head. Did mm -hmm. the Clinton Foundation do any big deals in Ukraine specifically? I don't know specifically on the foundation. I do know that uh, Artem, uh, forget his, I forget how to pronounce his last name, but the guy who was running the anti-corruption bureau in Ukraine was caught on tape saying he was trying to help Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. So, uh, you know, there, there's mountains of evidence that, this is where a lot of the anti-Trump stuff came from. So do, are, you, are you suggesting that because the the Clinton machine was involved with Ukraine on that kind of level of corruption, that that's why the false accusations against Trump was made with the, with the dossier and Perkins Coy law firm and um, oh, yeah. Fusion? Do you, I mean, do you, do you it think was all developed over there, it was de but it was developed basically to cover up what was, what went on in Ukraine back in 2016. Do you, do you think that the accusations against Trump for the 2016 mm -hmm. campaign and, and um, Russia's involvement allegedly mm -hmm. for Trump, mm -hmm. do you think that those accusations were made because of everything that was going on with Ukraine in prior years and they were afraid? Oh, yeah. 
who's going to be exposed? Oh yeah, because that that's and let me first say I'm I'm not a Putin supporter. You know, there's a kleptocracy running Russia. Uh, they don't work for the Russian or Russian people. The Russian people suffer under these people. But uh, you know, we have to say what's true. Right. And I don't see Russia as a an existential threat to the United States. I, I do see China as an existential threat. I mean, they launched a bioweapon on us, for God's sake, weapons of mass destruction. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see Putin as, a, as, as threatening the existence of this country. But yes, I mean, they used Russia just like they're doing now in Ukraine. Look over here. Russia's going to invade while, you know, China's about to invade Taiwan mm-hmm. and threatening to and sending hundreds of aircraft a day over into their airspace. I mean, it, it's hilarious. I mean, if it wasn't so sad that people believe this crap, this whole Ukrainian invasion thing is, was a made up crisis. It doesn't exist. So so is State Department and the White House just walking through this, acting like they're going to cut a deal uh, and take care of Putin's worries about the buildup of the, his borders by NATO? Yeah, I mean, what, what? that's another issue is NATO encroachment on the borders of, of Russia, which makes absolutely no sense. Why do this is not our fight? You know, Ukraine is not our country. I mean, mm-hmm. we can supply them weapons. We can help them financially. We can get other countries to arm them. I've been writing about this, you know, that Israel will sell them lots of arms. I mean, so that that's, that's fine. But American troops on the ground makes absolutely no sense. I mean, in all these GOP neocon warmongers that want to send American women and boys over to Ukraine is just absolute insanity. I mean, if you want to trigger, that's it. So Putin won. He knows by doesn't, doesn't isn't Putin smart enough to know that it's just a game being played more by words than actions? Oh yeah, I mean, and all he did was move Trump troops within his own country. He didn't invade anybody this time, you know. So he has moved into Donbass and he has annexed Crimea without firing a shot. And the, and the Crimea is the geostrategic uh, location in on the Black Sea with the port, warm water port, and then Donbass is all the coal mines in in East Ukraine. So he controls all of that. So he doesn't need to invade Western Ukraine. That would be bloody and it would cost a lot of money. They would lose a lot of face globally. All he did was move troops on the border and say, okay, you're going to bring Ukraine into NATO? Well, I'm going to you know, push back. And so Biden folded. I mean, it, you know, in, in all this media, you know, ginned up conspiracy that Russia is going to invade just never was true. I and mean, there's a report out in Breitbart this morning that Ukrainian troops are like, what are you talking about? They're not going to invade. They're going to keep shooting artillery shells across and killing us two or three a day. This, this is what happens. So uh, the invasion is, is not an issue. And I don't believe Putin would be that stupid. How important is it for Putin to bring to try to bring the Ukraine into Russia? I mean, is is it even viable, or is it is it more? Well, it would be very expensive. I mean, they they don't have the money. With they, this is why he didn't annex Donbass because he doesn't have the money. He can't support that region. He's doing it in in Crimea, but it's very expensive for the Kremlin. You know, they they don't have the U.S. dollar to print money, so they have to exist in the financial system. They have rainy day funds. They have, I think, around fifty billion in debt compared to our fifty trillion or whatever it is. So yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, they're very financially prudent, actually, and so they they can respond financially, but they don't want to rack up that kind of liability. So they don't need to invade Western Ukraine. What would they get? Some land. They have the coal mines. They have the port. Um, that's what they wanted. Uh, Crimea was always part of czarist Russia. You know, if you talk to any Russian, they will say that was ours to begin with. It wasn't theirs. Stalin gave it away or Khrushchev gave it away. I forget who, uh, you know, I think it was Khrushchev. Um, 
But, you know, there is some animosity there. I mean, Stalin did kill 20 million Ukrainians, made them march across because they, you know, rebuffed him for something, collectives, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, there's a dark history there. The Nazi history is amazing. If you look at most of the Jews that were killed in, in the uh, mm -hmm. World War II were killed in Ukraine. Right. They were transported there. A lot or there was a lot of Jews there that were just killed. Of you know? of them, but they also... Um, they transported some to the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Is is um, so? From your perspective, mm -hmm. what do you think is going on with the with the White House focusing on Ukraine, focusing mm -hmm. on Putin and Ukraine? Um, it, it is is it just a deflection away from what's it's happening? Classic, it's classic wag a dog. Biden is imploding. He has no credibility. Um, they're trying to you know which is going to fail. I mean, they're going to try to start a war maybe to take our attention off his failures and to take attention off China. I mean, Biden is working for China. That That's all you got to do is look at the, how much money he took from Beijing to know he's working for China. So do you, yeah, they're taking the eyes off Taiwan. Do you also mm -hmm. think it's uh, that, that he's, that Biden administration's position in the Balkans, like in Albania, is, mm -hmm. is uh, supporting what Soros wants to do? That, oh, completely. That it enhances the Biden administration with China? Uh, I think it's part of the whole globalist cabal, which we don't really have good insight and visibility into. China's part of it. Soros is part of it. Obama's part of it. Klaus Schwab's part of it. You know, the oligarchs in Silicon Valley are part of it. So who knows? You know, it's an organized crime ring, and you have all these factions that may fight from time to time. But uh, what you know, it helps Soros for sure because he's running foreign policy in the Balkans now. I mean, Trump stopped it for a little bit, but Alex mm -hmm. Soros, you go go to his Facebook page, he's got pictures with him with all the Balkan presidents, leaders. You know, it's crazy. I mean, he's running American foreign policy, and the, and the State Department, which you wrote an article on this morning, is supporting that. Right. So I mean, and interfering in in internal affairs in the country, which is illegal you know, threatening to cancel visas and all this kind of stuff to get the people in power they want. It, it's just, they're supporting the socialist government. Soros runs Eastern Europe, unfortunately, but uh, it needs to change. What is it that you think is going to happen down the line or that the American public should know to wake them up to what's really going on in terms of foreign policy? Because, I mean, right now, most Americans mm -hmm. are worried about if they're going to get vaccinated, the kids are going to get vaccinated, mm -hmm. if they're going to mm -hmm. survive. You know, eggs are, you know, three, three to $4 and does mm -hmm. um, you know, half and half up to four, four, four and a half dollars. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Christmas is coming and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, you know, I believe in, I believe in deflection a lot of times mm -hmm. with foreign policy. Mm -hmm. uh, but what is, what are the three, three or four things Americans need to know about Ukraine to understand that what they read in the paper sometimes is not really the truth? Well, first of all, Russia is not going to invade in Ukraine, invade Ukraine. And second of all, it's not our fight. This is China and Taiwan, uh, you know, in control of the Western trade routes through the Pacific is is our concern. But what happens on the Russian Ukrainian border is not our concern. I mean, we want to support freedom loving people, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we don't have the money anymore to be the world's policeman and, and, and spend another trillion or two or five or ten trillion dollars in, in Eastern Europe. That's just not what we have the ability to do, and we shouldn't do it. And Europe should step up and handle this problem. It's in their back door, in their backyard. Um, the State Department is corrupt. They are pushing something which is not in the American interests. It's in the globalist interests. 
This has been going on for a long time. We have tweets from the previous ambassadors in, in Albania saying that, you know, they want to stop Trump and James Comey's right and all this. I mean, we've been reporting on this for years. And, and so the government is, our government is not working for the American people. That has to change over time. But everything is, a, that's a symptom of the disease, which is the Biden regime. They had to steal the election because they knew they were going to lose. But the silver lining is they took the mask off. We can see all what they're doing and we have to get rid of this regime. That's the disease that causes all these symptoms all over the world. Do you, do you think that um, the American people will, will, I mean, I, I'm taking a look at it. Some days I mm -hmm. think American mm -hmm. people understands what's going on. And other days I think that, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're down in the valley and everybody's uh, has their head in cement. Is, is, is there anybody in Washington that's speaking truth about this? Because I mean, just a couple within the last couple of days, one of the senators said, who is it? Senator Wicker said something about that. We should yeah. be using nukes in Ukraine and Russia. And I'm thinking to myself, so what Christmas party did he go to? He should resign immediately. I mean, yeah. that is just using, using, even suggesting using nuclear warfare against Russia, who has more nuclear heads than we do seems to yeah. be insane. It's insane. I mean, what people, I think American people see right now is they know something's very wrong. They may not know what exactly it is, mm -hmm. but something is really wrong. And, and it's, this is not the America we grew up in, nor we want, nor what our founders founded. And so we as a people have to take it back one community as a at a time. And uh, we're doing that. I, I think there are enough people awake to do that. I mean, you know, you and I have had meetings all over the country where we see 500 people show up and then they're very motivated and asking questions and finding, trying to find solutions to their problems because they know something's very, very wrong. So we have let's, to continue to encourage that. that. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that in, in light of the, um, you know, the power of the people in the local level. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think county by county, Mm -hmm. you've seen it firsthand. I've seen mm -hmm. it firsthand where mm -hmm. people, the, the, the crowds grow and it's not, it's not a rally. It's a conversation with, with yep. people. Do you think that, that there is a window here for foreign policy to be discussed in the 2022 campaign, even if it starts with Ukraine and China? Well, I'll tell you where that comes. That nexus hits is when the American boys and girls have to go overseas to fight another war. I mean, that's the risk. Mm -hmm. So that we have to make people aware of that because that is just completely will destroy this country forever if we get in a big conflict in Europe and we just don't have it. So uh, that is what I would like to start foreign policy wise to talking people to people about. Do you think do you think that the, the Biden administration is actually going to do that? I think they are weak. Uh, I think they are just bluffing, but I think that the people behind the scenes, the, the military industrial complex, the neocons, they would love another war. I mean, it's how, when, when do we leave Afghanistan? In August? They're already pushing for another war? Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah. And that was their gravy train, you know? So they just gave that to China after we spent $3 trillion or whatever it was, uh, and thousands of people maimed and killed. And so that's, they're looking for another place to do that. And Ukraine is just easy. I mean, we have National Guard troops over there now which I find insane. Like I said, I mean, we have a CIA. They're supposed to be able to arm countries who want to help. Why do we need to send publicly American, you know, boys and girls over there? It just is crazy. And, and that will be a trench warfare artillery war that will be just devastating to people. Um, it's devastating to the Ukrainians and the people in Donbass too that are getting killed on both sides. 
Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the pictures of women blown to pieces over there by the artillery shells. It's just uh, ugly. Ukraine had a lot of human trafficking years past. Mm -hmm. What, what mm -hmm. is, is it? Is it still uh, high? Well, I'm sure it's it's corrupt as all get out. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Um, but you know, they do have visa relaxed visa regimes into the EU, so you know that may have lessened a lot of that pressure. Um, or they so, may have they may have some traffic. I mean, there were a lot. I, saw, I met a not a lot, but I met, I met quite. You know, there were different different uh, mafia groups, but there was always Ukraine victims in the mafia mm -hmm. groups in southern Italy near Brindisi mm -hmm. and Barry, and, and mm -hmm. even even in you know the the flats in Soho in London, mm -hmm. as well as in um, the Balkans. Mm -hmm. um, there was you know. And, and it's all types of organized crime over there. You know, part of it had for the trafficking for the women. Mm -hmm. um, they were some of them actually thought when the Balkan crisis was going on, when the economy was so bad to get jobs in Ukraine, and some of these women were actually married. They thought by going to the Balkans they could actually get a job because there was an economy there because it happened to be a war zone because mm -hmm. people make money in a war zone. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, then they ended up being trafficked. But I I, I wonder if. If you do, you think Ukraine's going to be an issue in the 2022 campaign? Uh, I think it'll blow over. Um, I think the push for the, the forever wars will be an issue, whether it'll be specific to Ukraine. I don't know. I mean, the Balkans is another area you, you and I have talked about that's mm -hmm. going to blow up. I mean, Soros is pushing you know the conflict between the Serbs and the greater Albanian, which is Kosovo and you know some of the other countries. So right. That's going to blow. Um, we've been covering that for almost a decade now, almost daily. Uh, so if people want information of what's happening in that part of the world, go to czarism.com, T-S-A-R-I-Z-M.com. And, uh, you know, or even just historical information or what's happening in Russia. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. We don't just talk about news. We talk about culture. We talk about travel. We talk about everything, uh, literature, you know, theater, um, so it's I like to say we cover what other people don't cover, including the yeah. injured. Yes, before yeah, most definitely board with that. I think it's uh, I think it's important for us to let people know that we're going to be covering everything that most everybody else isn't going to be talking about with some context and some history. Sure, so, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want else you want to say about? Uh, uh, well, um, I would just say cdm.press ten times. <laughs> Have people come to the uh, the site and check us out and uh, join the newsletters um, and and find out what's going on in the world. It's not just uh, right. in the U.S. Although we do cover a lot of things in the U.S., it's it's how the rest of the world impacts us that Americans have historically been uneducated about. So we're trying to help that. Right. And also know that if you're worried about the globalists taking over your kitchen table, you better get to know the world better. Sure. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, Todd. Well, we will be back to talk to our audience on some more international affairs. The next Definitely. Time. Just you and me on camera. Excellent. Look forward to it, Christine. Yeah. Take care. Absolutely. Bye.